Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. And I'm going to take us to a passage in scripture that's pretty famous. Um, it's Jeremiah chapter 29. There is a verse there, Jeremiah 29, 11. It's one of the most famous verses in the Bible. If you grew up in church like me, you've probably heard it a million and a half times. Or if you've ever purchased Christian home decor, you've probably seen this verse because it's like a Hobby Lobby favorite. Um, but uh, the verse that you know, probably it says uh, that the Lord says, I know the plans that I have for you not to harm you, but to prosper you, plans to give you hope and a future. One of the most encouraging verses in scripture that like God's got a plan, he's gonna take care of us, but we don't ever look at when he said it or why he said it. And uh, we're gonna dive in today to why he said it. And it's it's like a punch in the gut. Um, so I hope that today uh, you are challenged by this, that you gain some perspective and insight uh, because I, I really believe that that is something that we need as we launch into this year. And let me frame it for you before I pray, but uh, what's happening in this passage, this is Old Testament, so I need you to kind of go with me. This is a little bit ancient history, but the people of Israel, God's people, lived in a city, Jerusalem, and it was like their place of comfort. It was kind of what they'd worked for and waited for and built. Life looked good in Jerusalem. So Jerusalem today represents when things are easy, when things are as you expect, the rhythm that you want, the lifestyle that you want, the comfort uh, and the assurance. So they lived in Jerusalem. Everything's good, y'all remember 2019? Like that's Jerusalem, like before all the craziness and, and life is established. And then one of their most vicious enemies attacks them, the Babylonians, these wild rampant warriors, godless people that come in and just ransack Jerusalem and carry the people of God away in exile to Babylon. So now they went from living in comfort, living in the life that they'd built for themselves to now living in a foreign place where they're mistreated, where life is difficult, where resources are limited, sound familiar, where things don't look the way that they wanted them to. And now they find themselves living in Babylon and Babylon represents difficulty today. Every time I talk about Babylon, I'm talking about being in the center of difficulty where life looks opposite the way you intend. And so they are now Israel and the people of God. It's like their constant prayer. Bring us back to Jerusalem. Get us out of here. Yo, I've prayed that prayer a lot. Like, get us out of the difficulty. Bring me back to comfort. God, can you bring us out of this uh, tough situation and bring us to where life was predictable and rhythmic and understandable, where it made more sense? And that's their constant prayer. And then God speaks to them in this passage. And we're going to spend the whole day in this one passage. I'm going to preach it like I see it. We're just going to go line by line. And he speaks to them in Babylon, in their difficulty. And hopefully... My prayer is that he speaks to you today. He speaks to you who are watching. And the title of this message for people who are in difficulty wanting to get evacuated out of it, the title of this message is In the Meantime. In the Meantime. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this day. Thank you that we are gathered here, either in the room or watching online. And as we get into your word, I pray that you'd speak to us, that you'd encourage us that you would build us up and that you would uh, allow us to experience a new sense of hope and focus for the road that is ahead. In your name we pray. Amen. So being in difficulty, it's not like ever fun. And I know that all of us are facing, obviously, a 
corporate kind of social difficulty, but I also know that, I mean, I talk to so many people and I know that in personal lives beneath COVID and the social, political, there's also just crazy stuff happening in individual lives. Perhaps your family is going through so much, your marriage, maybe your finances, your relationships, your business. Like I recognize that on an individual micro level, there's difficulty. And then on a macro level, it's unprecedented. So we are in a Babylon of sorts, the way that Israel was, where it seems like things are just absolutely um, going haywire and going crazy. And their constant prayer, like I said, was get us out of it. And then when God speaks to them, he speaks in a way that maybe you wouldn't expect. So I'm going to start around verse three in Jeremiah 29. I'm reading out of the message version and it says this, God is speaking. He says, he's speaking through the prophet Jeremiah, but he says, this is the message from God of the angel armies, Israel's God to all of the exiles who are uh, been taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. Verse five. All right, God, speak to us. We're in a tough place. Give us a word of encouragement. Verse five, build houses and make yourself at home there. Excuse me? God, my one prayer has been get me out of difficulty and bring me back to ease. Get me out of the mess and bring me back to comfort. Get me out of Babylon and get me back to Jerusalem. And the first thing God says to his people, build a house. Not even like an RV, like build a house. Like get comfortable, build a house, make yourself at home there. If I were hearing this word and as I'm hearing this word and even preaching it today, that's not very encouraging. And I hope you can track with me because God is instantly indicating that difficulty has a lifespan much longer than we'd expect. We like to think that it'll just be one more day, just a little bit longer, and suddenly everything's going to be easy again. But God is leveling with his people, and he says, hey, build a house. prepare, Buckle in, because this, this is bigger than you recognize. I remember way back in March, like I've said many times, when things started to get a little crazy, I told my wife, like, it's going to be about two weeks, babe. Don't worry. I'm going to go to Sam's. I'll get us some bigger-sized food, and uh, it'll be two weeks of craziness and life will be back to normal. I've never been so wrong about anything in my life. And I think that's how Israel was approaching Babylon. They were like, it'll be just a little bit and then we'll get back to the way of life that we understand. And God says, hey, build a house. Make yourself at home there. And as he's speaking to you and I today, I want it to be very clear to your heart and to your soul that there is no guarantee that your difficulty will be short. I understand that that is like the least amenable thing I've ever said. <laughs> you know, like we all want it to be short, but I have to be real and, and I have to speak truth to your life because I know in my life, there have been a lot of times where the difficulty wasn't short-lived, where it just kept going on and on and on. And what God is speaking to his people is that I am trying to lead you in a direction where you can thrive in your difficulty because you are so bent on your life thriving only when the circumstance is easy. I'm trying to teach you that I can bless you and favor you in a way that you can thrive in Babylon. You don't need Jerusalem to have a blessed life. You can thrive in the difficulty, in the craziness. Build yourself a home there and make yourself at home there. You know what I believe God's saying in all of that is to find shelter in the difficulty. I mean, that's what a home is, right? Find shelter in the difficulty. And so let's, let's kind of break that down. Have you found shelter in this wild time that we're living? Because there is just no way we can be out in the elements of, of division and stress and fear and panic. There's no way you can just do that nonstop for all these months on end. You need a place to come home to. First and foremost, 
that's the presence of God. Like he is the shelter that we need. But also, practically, we find shelter in healthy relationship with one another. We need, oof, I'm a preach right now. We need to lean in to relationship. And I know that might be electronically right now, and I know it's hard. I'm sick of FaceTiming people and Zooming people, but you know what? I still do it because relationship is an essential part of the shelter that we can find. And the more isolated you become, the more vulnerable you become. And I understand that there are safety measures, and we, I mean, clearly here we support and we stand with what's necessary for the physical well-being of every person, no matter how vulnerable or, or, or scared they might be. However, there's a difference between being physically safe and then letting that turn into being emotionally isolated from people around you. And I'm watching it happen and I'm going to call it out. I'm watching us start to go from being cautious to being isolated, from cautious to lazy, from cautious to disconnected and just saying it's easier to just be disconnected. It's easier to be unplugged. And we just become this vagrant, uh, homeless, emotional person and saying, and God is saying, build a house there, find shelter, learn how to thrive, put some work and foundation and build up and learn how to find shelter in the difficulty. You've got to lean in. You've got to lean in, man. Call some people. Talk to some friends. It's harder, yes, but do it anyway. You ever think building a house is easy? No, it takes effort. You're going to sweat. It's going to take something of you, but we need to find shelter through this difficulty. And then also what he says uh, about like make yourself at home there, I believe what God is saying is like put your bags down. Don't just live with this attitude of like, you know what, I'm going to pursue my dream when it gets easier. You know what, I'm going to start to live for God when it gets easier. You know what, like when things get easier, everything starts to become predicated on when it gets easier. And we live with this uh, layover mentality that I'm just a traveler who's waiting to get home to start to live my life. No, God is saying, hey, put the bags down. You're in the here and now, and I want you to thrive in the here and now. It's a tough word. I know we're all like, I don't want to clap to this. Because you have to recognize, like, this might be it. This might be home for a while. But I don't know if you've ever read, like, to the back of the book. The Bible guarantees it's going to get harder. It, we, we knew this, right? Like, none of us have been surprised by things. Harder. In fact, the Bible says it's going to get, like, worse and worse. But God is going to be good and show himself mighty in it. And his people are never going to be left uh, unredeemed. We know that that's true. But it makes it clear that things are going to get more and more difficult. And so God is giving a pathway for how to thrive in difficulty. You can still thrive. He wants you to thrive. And he's calling you to thrive in this. So, whoo, that's just like half of one verse. We're going to be here for six hours. Buckle in. So, he says for the rest, I got my energy, so I feel good. He says in the rest of verse five, put in gardens and eat what grows in that country. Now, everybody, everyone on Instagram is suddenly a plant Person. Pastor Amy was up here talking about it last week. I was like, did we really get that bored through quarantine that we've gone backward from modern society and we're just planting now? I don't get it. Like y'all need to play video games. But like <laughs> God tells them not only build a home, but start a garden and plant and cultivate and eat the fruit of what grows in that country. I am no, by any stretch of the imagination, an agriculturalist at all, but I recognize something that God's saying there is that different things will grow in the country of Babylon 
than grew in Jerusalem. Different things are going to come up and out of your life from the soil of your life in difficulty than it will in ease. And God is saying, you can't say, I wish I could eat the fruit of the easy time in my life. He's saying, no, you need to eat what grows in this country. You need to cultivate what grows in this soil and in this climate and in this situation. Because what comes out of you in difficulty is something that is going to cause you to grow. Easy seasons and the fruit of easy seasons, it's good and it tastes good and it's sweet. But I believe that what comes out of you in difficulty, what you learn there, it's like those veggies. It's that nutrition for, for developing who you are. And God says, cultivate it. And you know what I believe this means? That you have a responsibility in difficulty to cultivate your life. You don't want to wait for ease to cultivate your life. You've got to do it now. If you keep waiting, you're going to keep waiting. <laughs> Cultivate now. Are there dreams in your heart? How long are you going to keep waiting? Waiting for something to be easy enough to launch into it. Cultivate now. The relationships in your life. You're waiting because you're waiting to feel more secure one day. Waiting to suddenly feel like your fears are gone or your anxiety is gone. No, no, no. Cultivate it now. Develop it now. The business that God has called you to, if you have just been trying to get through survival mode and just like, let's just wait, let's just wait, let's just wait. Friend, you're going to end up keep continually waiting. Cultivate. Try something new. Start turning some knobs until something clicks. That's how gardening works, isn't it? You can't just like, like it's not like a machine where you say, all right, this seed and this seed and this seed, they'll all harvest at the same time. It'll all be the way it works. No, there is such a leap of faith in gardening. You just do your part and you hope and you pray and you water 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 until something finally produces fruit. That's, I believe, the expectation that God is calling us up to, that you're going to need to just keep cultivating until something produces fruit. But he's promised it's going to happen, but you got to do the work. You got to do the work. And I want to speak to you today, if you've been holding back and waiting until it's easier, this is the time, man. This is the time to cultivate, to be fruitful, because you can be fruitful in difficulty. And if, and if you have just plateaued since, since your difficulty hit, maybe the macro difficulty or your micro difficulty, maybe the person that abandoned you, the hurt that occurred in you, if you've just been plateaued since that day, let me encourage you. You can produce fruit, even as a result of that difficulty. It does not have to be a waste. I don't believe God causes um, every bad thing in our life, but I know God can use every bad thing in our life and turn it around as soil and fertilizer, and I'm using that word as a PG version of what I mean, to, to fertilize something to grow in our life. He can take that mess and repurpose it and retool it as the soil for the fruitfulness of your life, but you're going to have to roll your sleeves up and get willing to get dirty and do the work to turn that, that, that void and that fruitlessness into fruitfulness. Cultivate it, man. Cultivate it. Do the work in life and in your efforts. All right, one verse. We did it, guys. One verse. So clearly God has said, like, hey, this is going to be a little bit longer than you think. And it's like, okay. All right, we get it, God. So how about the next verse? You give us some encouragement that maybe it's going to end at least somewhat soon. Verse 6. Marry and have children in Babylon and encourage your children to marry and have children so that you will thrive in that country. Okay, God, not only did you tell me to build a house, but now you've told me that it's going to be something that outlasts my child's childhood. 
that this thing is going to go so long that I'm not only going to marry and have kids, but my kid's going to marry and have kids. This is, we're talking grandparent level difficulty that I'm going to see generations pass and we're still going to be in this dang country. God, we've been praying for you to get us out of trouble. Why do you keep speaking to us about what to do in trouble? Because it's that God knows there will always be trouble and he is calling you to thrive in the trouble. And what I believe in this, when he's saying marry and have kids, you're like, what does that mean? Well, first, I think it means marry and have kids. <laughs> I think it means quite literally that. And maybe you're here today and you know you and, and, and in your relationship, you've been unsure of like what comes next and you've been quarantining together, quarantining together and isolating together. Might it not be time to make a commitment together and to covenant together? And, you know, I understand that everyone's journey is different as they approach things, but so often people are afraid of covenant, afraid of commitment because they think it's giving up their freedom. You have no idea what kind of blessing you step into when you commit to another person to love the way God loved. You're inviting God's blessing into your life. And I know it can be such an interesting subject because we all have different backgrounds and perspectives, but I just have to, I have to preach it like I see it. God is saying, make commitment, take steps, flourish in relationship because keeping your cards close to your chest and playing it safe in relationship will never result in fruitfulness in relationship. You have to be willing, and I've preached this before, but to love again, to trust again, to open up again. And that's what God's saying. He's like, hey, go live, go love, marry, have kids. And I believe that's a very practical word, but then also in a bigger sense for you and I today, we have to lean into relationship, even in difficulty. That's what I'm saying. You just got to call people. You just got to lean in. It's hard, but we have to flourish in relationship. And um, as we do that, we recognize that there is life to be shared, even in difficulty, man. Here's the good news. It's really easy to bond right now because we're all going through the same turmoil. And shared experience psychologically is one of the primary ways that people bond. You can walk up to a stranger right now, and within five minutes, you'll just both be going, I know, man, I know. <laughs> because we all feel it. So why not come out of emotional isolation and flourish in relationship? Verse seven. Oh, wait, wait, sorry, I have to hit one more thing. He said, uh, so flourish in all those relationships so that you'll thrive in that country and not waste away. So if flourishing in relationship is the way that I thrive, isolation is how I waste away. No matter how driven and focused you are, without relationship, you cannot thrive. Why? Because in relationship, doesn't matter how flashy I am, how gifted I am, how talented I am, to have true relationship, you have to have selflessness. You have to give of yourself. You have to open up. And that's why God is saying, relate, lean in, build community. I, and this is, this is what I was, I was touching on earlier. If we're not careful, everything we've been through is going to build a habit of self-centeredness and emotional isolation. Because it's like, I don't want to give the time. I don't want to take the step. Because let's be real, we all kind of got out of the habit of relating to each other. And it's going to be easy for us to settle in that rut if we're not careful and just be self-absorbed and self-centered. But we have to take the sacrificial, beautiful step to build community. It costs you something to listen to another person talk about their life when you're overwhelmed with yours. But you know what? It's worth the cost. It costs you time to spend time FaceTiming a person and talk through what's going on in that situation, but it's worth the cost. Building relationship and community is the only way we thrive. And if 
we don't do that, we begin to waste away. There is one prayer that Jesus prayed, one request that he had, and we, uh, upon which the answer of that prayer is on me and on you. Before he went to the cross, he prayed, God, let everyone who follows me be one with each other the same way you and I are one. Lord, let them build community. That's his one prayer request, and it's on me and on you to be the answer to that prayer. We have got to embrace people, and no matter what they look like, and no matter what they believe in, no matter where they stand, I don't care if they're red or blue or black or white or brown, we have to learn to build community and relate to the people around us. It's the only way to thrive. It's the only way to thrive. So relationship, we have to flourish in it. He goes on in verse 7. Woo, it gets more intense. Make yourselves at home there and work for the country's welfare. Okay, God, you told me to build a house. You told me to marry and have kids. You told me to build a dang garden. Now you're telling me to work for the welfare of Babylon. I hate this place. I wake up every day and I hate Babylon. And I, I push against it. And I pray that I'll get out of it. And here's just a little, a little thought. Sometimes we spend so much energy praying to get out of a difficult situation that we might miss that God has allowed us to be in it for a reason. You're like, why am I in this darkness? Because you're a light. Have you ever pictured what it would be like without you? Perhaps you are here to be light in a dark world. Perhaps he chose me and he chose you to be alive right now for a reason. And so we're all like, I don't want to, I don't agree with Babylon. I don't like Babylon. I don't think Babylon's going in the right direction. And God says, work, contribute to the common good. You're like, but I disagree with Babylon and I don't like what I see. He says, contribute. You add something good into all that bad chemistry. Moving forward, he says, uh, make yourself at home there, work for the welfare, pray for Babylon's well-being. Excuse me? Because if things go well for Babylon, things go well for you. It's, it's like, that's like father advice right there because it, it's hard to hear, but it's real. He says, if, if the country gets better, you get better. Right. So he's like, roll your sleeves up, bite your tongue, and contribute. Yo, that's a word for us today because it's hard. Our instinct in the face of all this mess, I don't know about your instinct, but my instinct is to take my hands off and say, y'all crazy, forget that, that's a mess, I don't want to touch that, and God is saying, no, the good people who have goodness in their heart have to engage, have to get involved, have to labor, have to contribute, because if you remove light from darkness, darkness wins. We have to run into the night, into the darkness, and let that light shine, and I might not have the impact of being some huge spotlight, but this little candle, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And me and my house, we're going to do our part to contribute. And we're never going to stop. And we have to recognize what we can control. You might not be able to change the world, but you and your household can contribute to the common good. Pastor Gary said one time, our founding pastor, I love you, Pastor Gary. Thank you for all that you do, man. Uh, he said one time uh, that the only way to change a city, the only way to make a great city is by having great homes. You can't just suddenly change culture. It has to start in your home. And you've been, if you've been trying to change the world, change your home. If you've been trying to change the world, change your home. If you've been watching the TV screen like all of us have and, and, and complaining about how leaders mishandle 
this or that, or I can't believe he or she said this, or I can't believe he or she said that. Instead of just venting all of that complaint outward, why don't you look at how you have handled the most precious relationships in your life? You can't necessarily change the country, but what can you do in your home? How can you lead your home forward? How can there be more love, more trust, more support in your home? You know, you'll complain about what someone said on the news or on Twitter, but then turn around and treat your spouse like garbage or yell at your kids and call them names. We can't change that. We can change this. And that's where you have the power to thrive. That's what God's saying is, hey, do what you can to contribute to the common good. And you know what? I... I, I'm kind of tired of trying to look cool. I think we need to just get reckless with this and make sure that we are inviting God into our homes, into our life. That song we were singing, Let It Rain, what you're doing is inviting heaven into the situation, saying, God, move in our home. On our New Year's Eve service, I don't know if you remember, we had that moment where we were praying for each other and we had those little uh, like anointing oil because in the Old Testament, like praying for someone when touching them with oil was a symbol of God's spirit kind of coming over them. And that's what we do every New Year's. We kind of just anoint each other. But normally our pastors kind of pray for everyone. But since we we're observing distancing, we had families do it with each other and pray for each other. And so I'm over here and I had just come out of COVID. So I'm like fired up and I'm praying over my wife and praying blessing over her. And then I take the oil and I pray over my kid. My wife prays over me and then we kind of go back to worship and I feel this little hand on my leg. And I was like, what's up, buddy? And he said, can I pray for you guys? First of all, my son turns five tomorrow. So he's super excited about that. I'm just, come on. We kept him alive five years, everybody. God's good. (laughs) We did it. We did it. But uh, no one has ever been more excited to be five. All week he was like, are people going to sing to me? And uh, when I told him yes, and then when they sang to him at his party, he was like, I put a picture on my Instagram. He was like emanating. He was like drinking it in. But anyway, at the service, he hits me. He's like, can I pray for you guys? And I was like, sure, because I never want to discourage the qualities in my child that I've been trying to raise, even if it has to slow me down, even if it gets in the way of things, you always want to encourage in your child the qualities that reflect the virtues you're trying to instill. So I was like, absolutely. I just thought he wanted the oil, to be honest. I I really set the expectation low on my child. I thought he just wanted to play with it. So he took the oil and he prays over me and it's super loud, but I'm like real close and he's saying, God, I thank you for my dad. Thank you for healing him from the virus. I pray that you give his energy back so he can be around people and show them your love. And I'm like, like weeping. And then he comes to my wife and he prays for her and he says, God, I think this is so cute. He says, God, I pray that you send her a prophet who's going to speak something to her to help her and make her stronger. And thank you for how loving she is. And he's just out here praying. And I recognize in that moment in all my dreams as this ambitious goal-driven guy who wants to go knock down doors and achieve big things, that is outside my control. The only win I can actually go for is as for me and my house, my wife, my little son, that's the only thing I can control. And as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I can't control what doors open in front of me, but I can control what's happening in my home. And the three of us, we're sticking together and we're going to let heaven come into our home. And we as a, as, a, as a church and as families have to invite the goodness of God into our lives. It's getting on our knees and saying, God, right here, right now in my life, in my home, would you fill this space? It's difficult outside these walls. The moment I open that door or the moment I open my Instagram, all of that difficulty.
world, it comes right up into my face. But right here, God, in my home with the door closed in this sacred space, would you fill this place? Would you move in my family? And you know what? We've been sanitizing everything for a year. Why don't we take a little oil? I don't care. It's not, it's not cool anymore, but it's old church truth. And I'll pray over my couch. I pray over my walls. I pray over my home. And I say, God, this space belongs to you. And then I sanitize it. But, you know, like this space belongs to you. If we're going to see any difference in our lives, it's going to start from within. Start from those most intimate relationships. And certainly if you're not married or with children, it's not like you are disqualified from this. Your most intimate relationships, your time with God there in your living space, and then the people who are closest to you. You have to make a decision to change your circle if you're ever going to see change in the world around you. And so, in all of this, then God says in verse 8, yes, believe it or not, this is my message to you. Because it's kind of unbelievable that God would say this. And then he warns them, he says, don't let all those so-called preachers and know-it-alls who are all over the place there take you in with their lies. Don't pay attention to the fantasies that they keep coming up with to please you. They are a bunch of liars preaching lies and claiming that I sent them. I've never sent them, believe me. What he's referencing is there were people who would come to Israel and say they were prophets and they would say, God's going to get us out of this soon. Things are going to get easy really soon. You're going to make it. Believe a little harder. If you pray more, things will get easier. Have you ever felt that kind of pressure in your life to be more like, how do I do it more? Like, like, how do I pray harder? Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm believing as much as I can. I'm doing as much as I can. But a religious attitude will always say, if you do a little bit more, then everything will go your way. And it's this unattainable goal. That's what religion is. And as believers, we toe the line constantly of falling into religion. And if we think that our efforts and checking all the boxes will somehow earn us an easier life, we have missed the point. God's saying, don't you dare listen to that fantasy that you can somehow work your way out of difficulty. No, I am telling you that I have a purpose. And now, friends, we've reached verse 11, everyone's famous favorite verse, but it comes from a whole different direction here. He said, this is God's word on the subject. As soon as Babylon's 70 years are up, and not a day before, he already said it's not going to be early. I'm not, it's not going to be an exception. He says, but when the time comes for this difficulty to end. I'll show up and take care of you as I promised, and I'll bring you back home. I know what I'm doing. I have it planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future that you hope for. When you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I will listen to you. He's showing us the finish line. He's showing us the promise. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure that you won't be disappointed. I'll turn things around for you. I'll bring you back from the difficulty in which I drove you. I'll bring you home to the place from which I sent you. But in the meantime, thrive. I'm going to do what I promised to do. This won't last forever, but it will last longer than you are aware of. So in the meantime, thrive. Thrive thrive in it. Use it. Fight through it. Stand through it. Shine in it. Church, if we look at this as a time to pull back and hide away, we're missing our purpose. 
I'm only alive for so many years and God chose to put me in 2020 and 2021. So I've got purpose here and I've got to thrive in it. I've got to thrive in my family, thrive in relationship, thrive in business, thrive in effort. I have to bring those things to the surface because if we won't, who will? If believers can't believe, who will? It's our job to stand up and say, we will get through it. And people are like, no, you crazy. I know I'm crazy, but I'm, I am a believer. And it's all I do is bring faith and inject it into the situation, even when it's dark, even when it looks impossible. I can't stop believing because it's who I am. It's who God called me to be. I cannot stop believing, even when it gets hard. Because if your belief if your belief only existed in Jerusalem when it was easy, if your belief was based on the situation of your life, then it was too shallow. Because God is just as good here in Babylon. The praises we sang back then in Jerusalem, oh, God is good, everything's good. The same God is God today, even when life is hard, even when the Capitol building gets stormed, even when division is all over, God is still good. And so we have to believe. We cannot stop and we have to thrive. Church at home, you have to thrive in this and it's gonna take effort and it's gonna take work, but it's worth it because God says, I know the plans I have for you. And when the time is up, I will deliver you. I'll do my part, but you have purpose here and now. And there's one final thought here. I love that he says it. He says, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. When you get serious about finding God and want it more than anything else, more than your own comfort, more than relief, more than things going back to easy. If you want him and only him, and I'll be honest, friends, there were quite a few months here where I've just been praying, God change things, God fix things. I wasn't praying, God show me yourself, I wanna know you more. I was praying the most self-centered prayers of like, God change it, God change it. And just asking him to do what I wanted to happen in my life, instead of saying, God, what do you want to happen in my life? I know that things are crazy, but I know that you have purpose still. What do you want to come through me? What do you want to, to develop in me? How can I grow and how can I be a better husband and father and friend and leader? What are you trying to do in here? I was so preoccupied with what I wanted him to do out here that I was never seeking what I wanted him to do in here. And he says, when you get serious about looking for me, I will make sure you're never disappointed. Go chase anything else, friends, and you will get disappointed. But chase God and his presence and it's the one pursuit where you'll never get disappointed, never let down, never broken hearted. It's worth it. And the last words in this verse, I'll bring you out. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you. I've got good plans. There's a purpose. You can count on it. Even though it's going to take a long time, you can believe him. You can trust him. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.